Welcome to Simple Faith with host Dale Carlson, bringing solid Christian answers to your questions and concerns. Changing Radio. Here's host Dale Carlson. Pastor Bob Bowmeyer. Bob is here with me, and uh, we're here to explore with you what it means to take the message of a risen Lord victorious over sin and death out into a broken, hurting world. We're going to be talking about how to share with people in need the life-changing power of the love of God in Jesus Christ. With us here in the studio today is uh, Richard Collins. And uh, Richard is a leader of the Portland chapter of an organization called the Compassionate Friends. And... Uh, He's going to share with us a little of his experience in, in doing exactly that, taking the love of God out into the community where it's needed. Mm. Richard, uh, tell us a bit about the Compassionate Friends. What, what, are, what are they about? What do they do? Uh, first of all, Jim, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, yes. Delighted. Uh, the Compassionate Friends, we are a support group for bereaved parents, grandparents, and siblings only um, and uh, I lost my youngest son November 18th 2015 oh. and that's uh, when I learned about the compassionate friends because obviously the grief was overwhelming and I and I knew isolation was not the place to be so I, I'm a firm believer in support groups and I think it's important to know that I'm also in recovery and uh, so I'm a, I'm a member of the Alcoholics Anonymous oh. and, uh, Oh, wow. I, I actually used alcohol to uh, deal with my grief. Mm. And I learned that that was not going to work. And uh, the good Lord pulled me out of that. And I'm, I'm glad to say that I've got almost three years of sobriety. And, and Well, that's uh, interesting, but, uh, Richard, because Bob, Pastor Bob, has, has been working with a group uh, on an addic a Christian addiction recovery program in his church. Yeah. And... Uh, but Dal, so how did you first get involved with uh, the Compassionate Friends? You just pick up the phone and call somebody. Well, what I did is I uh, I was living in Seattle. My son was uh, he was going to the University of Washington. Uh, he was diagnosed with leukemia his freshman year in college, and uh, the good news was that there is a cure, and it's called a stem cell transplant. So. Uh, he loved Seattle. Uh, both of my boys were born in Seattle. I moved back to Maine. I'm a Mainer. And uh, he always wanted to go back. So he graduated high school as a junior with honors. He's a very smart young man. And uh, obviously it was a shock to hear that he was diagnosed with leukemia. But I talked to the uh, oncologist and she said there's a cure. 
So I was excited about that, even though I was still in shock that he had cancer. And I flew out to be with him, and he spent six weeks in the hospital. And we flew back to Boston Children's to get the stem cell transplant. And that was the cure. Yeah. Uh, even though, you know, man can cure us, only God can heal us. Mm. And uh, oh, Amen. So uh, after he got out of uh, his stem cell transplant, he went back to Seattle to go back to college. And a month later, I got a phone call. He was in, Bo in Seattle Children's Hospital at that point. And um, I flew back out and come to find out it's called graft-versus-host disease from the stem cell transplant. Mm. And uh, he had it in his lungs. Oh. And I asked a, a hematologist, I said, uh, so when would he get this? They said, right now, about six months post-op. And I said, what were the chances of him getting it? And they said, 15%. Mm. So um, the next option was a lung transplant. Uh, it's called bronchiolitis oblidians is what he actually had. And um, so he never met the criteria. He only met two out of the three criteria for the lung transplant. And um, so, like I said earlier, I ended up losing him November 18, 2015. Um, and he was 23 years old. Oh. Um, so obviously I was devastated. All I could do was cry. I just I stayed in the hospital bed with him for two hours and just held him. And but I did uh, I did have the opportunity to have family with him, and um, I played some uh, some Christian music when he left. So I felt that was pretty good. Sorry. So um, I knew at that point that uh, isolation was not going to do anything for me, and so I started reaching out, looking for support groups. And I found a, a, a grief support group uh, near me in Edmonds, Washington, oh. that offered a six-week course. So I went to that uh, knowing that, uh, you know, from a home, living alone, that's a good place for the enemy to attack me. And I knew that I needed to get out and be with other people. Um, so at this uh, grief support group that I went to, it was for all types of grief. And I realized that I was the only one there that had lost a child. Oh. And uh, that's quite different because I've lost my dad. And yeah. That, and that's the right order. But when you lose yeah. a child, it's, everything's out of order. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'd heard about the compassionate friends when I was going to that grief share group uh, at the hospital. And ironically, it was the same night as the, <clears throat> the Compassionate Friends in Seattle that I was hoping to attend. So I called them and I said, I need to finish the six-week course because I'm committed to it. So I went to my first Compassionate Friends once I finished the six-week course. And Ron Gallagher, I'll never forget him. He was waiting at the front door to meet me. And um, it was a men's only group. So we went into the meeting and uh, immediately when I sat down and I was with other fathers that were bereaved, I knew I was where I was supposed to be because uh, they understood exactly what, it, what it's like to lose a son or, or a daughter. Wow. That, that, this, uh, that need for somebody who understands. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So you, you say, uh, Richard, that you, I mean, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Yes, I am. How, how did that happen in your life? Or was this something you grew up with? or Actually not, no. Um, I grew up in Rangeley. Maine, 
and uh, uh, Christ is not part of my life. Uh, I never heard my dad even say a prayer my entire life. Uh, when I was 18, I moved to Alaska, and uh, one of my first jobs uh, was actually a man from Westbrook. Because uh, when you're in Alaska and you, you find that there's someone else from Maine, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you go banging on the door and say, hey, you a Mainer too? I am a Mainer. So uh, they're still very good friends of mine to this year, uh, to this day, and it's 40 years ago, mind you. So, um, But, uh, yeah, he, we had this big dream of starting a, a, a mobile car wash, and we're going to franchise it and be the next McDonald's. So... Uh, <laughs> Steve Shear is his name, and uh, we, I worked with him, and we hired some guys to, to do the buggy scrubbing. It was a mobile car wash. And one of the young men uh, that I was working with was a uh, born-again Christian. And I was kind of lost, if you will. And um, the one thing I remember about his uh, lifestyle and um, the way he spoke is that... Um, you know, he talked about Christ, and he talked about um, that he still had the same problems that I was having, but he had a belief that I didn't have. <gasps> and uh, I used to talk to him about God, and, and he would share his testimony with me. And uh, he says, you know, if you want the Lord in your heart, all you got to do is ask for him. Mm. And that struck me. You know, here I am, 19 years old, and and living in a place that I didn't want to be in, knowing that uh, I could have a relationship with God or wow. Christ. Mm. So I remember going to a park one day and, and just asking the Lord to come into my life. And, and uh, so that's when it started. That's, that's when wonderful. my journey started. Yeah. Well, you hear that out there, folks. Now, if any of you happen to be a buggy scrubber <laughs> and you know the Lord, be a witness. You can be a witness and change somebody's life. That's yes, right. yes. <laughs> and the number, by the way, if you want to call in and either ask a question or if you've had an experience you want to share with us, give us a call here right now at uh, 725-9224. That's 725-9224. Give us yes, a call. We'd love to hear from you. And just, Richard, um, we've lost two grandkids. Mm. And um, and my daughter-in-law has a, a rare genetic uh, disorder that was passed on to both children. And uh, I had uh, the one grandchild was eight months old. I mean, I'm, I'm rocking her in my arms. She's looking up at me with those big eyes. And there's nothing I can do. You know, oh. to help her. It's, uh, that's very painful. It is. Uh, you know, to go through a process like that and to watch, um, you know, my son, when he when we was in hospice and he carried her, the, the hearse come and got her and, and they said, uh, we'll take her. And he says, no, I'm going to carry her to the hearse. Yeah, it's... Uh, Those things are hard to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. How, Richard, how, how, do, you, how do you talk to somebody that's just carried their grandchild out to the hearse? Well, from what I, my experience is, it doesn't matter how we lose a child, grandchild, or a sibling. It's the fact that we have a hole in the heart for the rest of mm. our lives now. 
And uh, the only thing that I can do or recommend is that um, I'm very sorry for your loss and uh, that you need to know you're not alone. Just not with the compassionate friends, but you have the Lord as well. And, you know, there was a time in my life where I was very, very angry at the Lord. I was very resentful. I, I couldn't believe that he would take my son from me, yeah. my youngest baby. And then um, there came a point where I lost touch with my oldest son. And to be completely honest, I mentioned earlier that I'm in recovery. I had come to the point in my life where I had lost all hope. Oh. I, uh, I felt like I didn't have a purpose. And the alcohol just enforced that believement. And it gave the, uh, the enemy an opportunity to really work on me. Yeah, yeah. If you're alone, just start right. drinking and you'll be even more alone. That's right. That's why when two or more gathered, he is here as he is oh, here right now with us. Yes. So when um, when I had gotten to that point, it was three years ago this Father's Day, coming up in June, I, uh, I had gone to church that Sunday. I was still going through the motions, but I was still very angry at God. And uh, I remember leaving church and my sister called me. And I hadn't heard from my son, oldest son in a year and a half, he'd lost I had lost all contact, uh, not even his phone number was good. I went to his job. He wasn't working there anymore. Even on Facebook, he wasn't posting things. On his 30th birthday, I didn't hear a word from him, no post or nothing. Mm. And I thought, God is going to take my other son too. Oh. And I was just bitter, and I was angry. And my sister called me on the, after I left church, and she said, what are you doing today? And I said, I'm going to buy a couple bottles. I was gonna go drown my sorrows. And I went home and I was into my second bottle and I got a knock on the door. And I thought, could it be? It was Father's Day and I hadn't heard my, from my oldest son in a year and a half. And I stood up and I walked to the mudroom where he'd come in and he was standing there with my granddaughter. And I just fell against the, the wall and I was wow. in tears and he actually ran to me and he hugged me and he kissed me wow. and, I got, and I got to smell him and, and just... Wow, yeah. So um, at that point, I, at that point I knew that God hadn't taken him hmm. and maybe I do have a purpose because oh. after a year and a half I hadn't heard from him. Hmm. So I was grateful that he was in my life, but now I knew I needed help because I was sick, spiritually, mentally, and physically. The alcohol had taken its toll. So that's when I decided to go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. And that, that's such a powerful uh, word, you know, and, and just, be, I mean, there are Christians out there that, you know, you still get that hole in your heart. I mean, I, I was sharing with you something that really made me tear up. Mm -hmm. And I've been pastoral care for 25 years with CMMC. I've seen so many tragedies, but nothing prepares you, you know, with loss. And, right. And, and 
and uh, you know and and that's why you know and sometimes you don't feel it and then you begin to talk about it and bang it's like all over again yes uh, you're re you're revisiting it well listen folks if there's anybody out there who's struggling with that hole in your life yes. you're not alone give us a call give us a call get just seven two five two nine two not seven two five nine two two four and and speak with richard um i think we're close to a break so we're going to go to a break and we'll be back in just a few minutes to carry on our conversation remember seven two five nine two two four seven two five nine two two four be right back don't go away and folks uh keep in mind that if you have something you want to share with us or you've got a question or you've got a need, just give us a call, 725-9224. We've been talking with uh, Richard Collins here, who is uh, now I understand you're not just a leader of a local chapter of the Compassionate Friends, but you're now in a, on a coordination level. Yes, I'm a regional coordinator for Northern New England. How many how many chapters are involved now? There are twelve. Oh wow! Yes. And how? What do you actually do? I'm a liaison, if you will, between national and the chapters. So if they have questions, they can come through me, and I can go to national and get the answers. Oh, so you there's a national support group. Oh yes, yeah. And. What? How? How are they able to help you in a, in a local chapter? Well, <clears throat> there has been a big transition happening in, in national. So, the as far as what's actually the support for the regional coordinators is kind of being reevaluated, and 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 uh, because. They've had some challenges with regional coordinators. Okay. The communication isn't really quite there yet. Okay, so the local chapters are pretty much up to... Yes. ...are on their own. They are, yes. Now, yeah. what, what, what is a... And you have, you said, monthly meetings? Yes, yeah. And what goes on? <clears throat> what, what is... Well, we have our, our, our meeting is the third Thursday of every month, 7 p.m., at the Church of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I have a... Not only a, a, a uh, business card with our information on it, but we also, when you go on the national website, you can click on Chapter Locator, that link, put in your local town or where you live, and the closest meeting will come up to you. So what's, what compelled me to start the Compassionate Friends of Portland, Maine, is that I've been affiliated with chapters in, in Washington, Florida, and now when I moved to Maine, when I went on the, the website, there's only one in Maine, and that's oh. in Lewis and Auburn. Oh. So I had some periods or some few months of sobriety under my belt, and I, I was uh, getting better, if you will, and I had finally decided to stop blaming God oh. and accepting that his plan is better than mine, his will. How did you arrive at that conclusion, that it wasn't God's fault after all. What helped you to... When I realized I wasn't God. 
<laughs> Do you hear that, folks? <laughs> you that, so that may be a, a, a place that people go to when they're dealing with a, an impossible loss like that that you can't just explain is they try to take over for God. Right. Yeah, I was full of self-pity and resentment. Ah. How is the program structured? Say somebody says, I've lost a grandchild or, or a child, and I want to go to one of these groups. I mean, is it they're just like one person that kind of leads it, and then it's group session? How, do, how does it look? Well, we have a, a chapter leader, which I'm mm -hmm. a chapter leader of Portland, Maine. <clears throat> we also have a co-chapter leader, and we have a secretary and a treasurer. Oh. And we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Um, and uh, but typically people will, because uh, I've got the word out to hospitals, um, like a, a children's, uh, Barbara Bush Children's Center. Mm -hmm. I've oh. gone to them and I've given them pamphlets and cards because unfortunately they do lose children there. And I want people to know that there's support, that there's help, because it's the most isolating feeling in the world when you lose a child, a grandchild, or a sibling. Well, okay, we, have we, gotta... a, we have a call coming in from David, and uh, we'd like to hear from him. Um, David, are you there? Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? Uh, doing well. you have a, a question for uh, Richard? Well, uh, yes and, and no. Uh, I'm 82. Uh, huh? I've been studying God's law. Uh, most of my life, and uh, uh, I recently uh, got involved with the sludge that they're dumping on uh, from the sewage treatment plant on our farmland, and oh. I documented it going into the river, and the politicians hired somebody to, actually, they put me in jail and burned my uh, premises down out in New Hampshire. So I have moved back here to Maine, and uh, I don't know that many religious people back here. Uh, I am more or less reaching out to anybody that, that uh, uh, can be uh, religiously helpful to me. Uh, yes. I had uh, just three or four days after they burned my... Uh, premises down. My Ooh. son, at 44 years of age, had died. Uh, I'm sorry and, to hear uh, that. Mm. Yeah, it's been one. Uh, 2021 was a horrible year Ooh, for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I'm not sure what you want to go into. I, I just enjoy talking about God's work. I, yes. Uh, I started studying God's work when I went into service in 1958, and uh, I have studied it religiously all my life, and it seems like more Satan plagues me, the more God blesses me. So, uh, Where do you uh, live, David? Uh, I just bought uh, some land on uh, the well road in Wilton, Maine. Uh, well, I got a hunting, hunting camp that I'm fixing up and going to try to make it available. Have you have you hooked up with a local church in Wilton? I have not. Uh, and here's in 
I know you're going to highly disagree with me <laughs> on this, but one of the major problems I have with religion uh, is just the Sabbath has always been a Saturday. Jesus Christ was a Jew. He kept Saturday, always had, always worked. Okay. And uh, the Catholic Church changed it to Sunday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I have great, great difficulty thinking about even going back to church. Uh, well, it's kind of like Seventh-day Adventist then. Maybe you'd seek a church yeah, like that. Yeah, only yeah. I have never been to a Seventh-day Well, if there's Adventist somebody in the church. Wilton area that is Seventh-day Adventist that wants to reach out to you, uh, we would uh, love them to do that. They could call us, and, and we could try to connect you. Um, I'd love to have it. I'd and, love to have it. And now, Richard, is there a program like that up in that area for a person who's lost a child in the Wilton area? Yeah, it would be Lewiston Auburn chapter. Lewiston Auburn chapter. That's the closest one. You'd yes. have to come down there, uh, David. And uh, hey, it's so wonderful to hear from you, and um, and and stay in contact. We are here every Saturday at three o'clock. Uh, God bless you. And uh, but uh, Richard, is there a phone number that he can call? Do you know? Is there a phone number he can call to uh, get in touch with the uh, compassionate friends in Lewiston, Auburn? Yes, it's it's listed on the website. Yes. So if you went to the national, uh, it's called the Compassionate Friends. You just Google that the Compassionate Friends. The website will come up, and you click on chapter locator. And you put in the town you're in, and all the closest chapters will pop yeah. up with a phone number and an email and a contact person. Okay. Now, David, do, do you have a... Uh, I think he's gone. Are you there, David? Yep, yep. Go ahead. Do you have a computer? I I do not. Uh, I ran my own login business all my life out of my head, and my kids all can run computers and my wife, but I just never got involved in computers. And uh, I've had people try to give me computers and teach me to run it, and uh, it's just... <laughs> I'm, I'm right with you. Yeah, I'm yeah, right with you, sure. David. <laughs> they confound me. Okay, right. well, now I may be able to give you a phone number here uh, that you can call, that you can reach the compassionate friends, and they can probably steer you to a local chapter meeting where you can find some folks. Uh, that'll let you know that you're not alone with your mm. struggle. Uh, right. Now, you can call uh, the number f- Rich- that Richard has is 207 200 300 3651 and you will reach uh, a, a message center for the Compassionate Friends and they'll invite you to Leave your information, and now someone will get in touch with you. Very good, very good. I I enjoy uh, this type of conversation, and yes. uh, mm. I hopefully can uh, glorify God in in my seventy-two years yes. of life. Mm. I, I'm not sure. Uh, you well, get to the point where you you think you know maybe I've reached the end of my youth. Oh no no no, <laughs> David, I'm ninety. I, I've been nice. been on this. Yes, I've been on this planet for ninety years, and God hasn't given up. I'm still keeping me busy. And you look seventy, well, David. <laughs> hey, good enough. Yeah, I really, really appreciate what you're doing, Ed. I 
Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, there must be a Seventh-day Adventist church probably somewhere. I'm in sure the there is up yep. in that area, and sure. that's what you need to look for. Right. Yep. Well, all right, David. Uh, it was good talking with you, and uh, and and hope that you'll make that phone call. Yes. Thank hey, you, David. Hey. Yeah, thank you, guys. God bless you. Yes. He yeah. is blessing you. Yes. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Well, that was uh, quite a phone call. And, you know, I think he said his son was like 40. Yes. Some yeah. years old when he lost him. You know, and that's, that's painful, uh, yeah. you know, to, to lose a child. You know, because for most people, they expect that children don't live them. Exactly. Well, if he, if now, if David walked into a local chapter meeting, uh, what would he find? Well, he would find other bereaved parents, grandparents, and siblings. Okay. Uh, we do have a new member form that we like to have them fill out if they only want to. Uh, they don't have to. Mm -hmm. uh, we typically have a topic for that meeting. Oh. But that can change based on who actually shows up to the meeting. Uh, like our last Thursday night meeting, we had two newly bereaved, one sibling and one mom, and they're both one month out. Mm. So oh. the, the grief is overwhelming. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. you know, there's a lot of crying going on, and so I, I will gear the meeting towards them oh. because there's a difference between being newly bereaved and being seasoned bereaved. Mm -hmm. um, and the best way to put it is, the hole in our heart that we have will never go away. And it doesn't get easier as time goes on, okay. but it does get softer, the uh, loss of a child. That's okay. the best way to put it. The pain gets a little softer. Yes, yes. Praise God. Yeah. Well, Praise God. And it's yeah. not necessarily a religious program. In other words, everybody's invited to come. You're exactly right. And, and what you focus on is, is the, the loss. Yes. Uh, and and the individual, um, right. and I know with our way out program, if it would change if if somebody came in that was like in the middle of a, a brand new coming to an interview, we'd probably turn to that person and, and yes. try to focus yeah. uh, on maybe helping that person where they're at at that time. Yeah, because the first basically the first two years is the roughest. Mm. Of, of losing a child or grandchild or a sibling. And I, I don't say this to scare people, but the reality is the second year is harder than the first. Wow. Mm. The first year you're dealing with the first birthday without them, the first mm. Christmas without them, the first Thanksgiving. So that's it's like a shock, if you will, the first year. The second year it starts to become a reality that most of they really are gone. It really sinks in. Yeah. Okay, but Richard, now you said God has tapped you on the shoulder and come into your life. Does that make a difference in how you come alongside of folks who are who don't have that experience, who are grieving and alone and don't know about God? Most definitely, and I'm a true believer that once I accepted God and the fact. Of, of his will instead of my will okay. because my will he, Cody would still be here you know he never would have took Cody and like I said earlier I finally accepted the fact that I'm not God and God had a plan 
Now his plan doesn't always match my plan. So once, once I came to believe that, I knew that he had a plan for me and my pain could become my purpose. Yes. Ah. So I was led to starting this chapter in Portland because mm -hmm. there wasn't one in Portland, it's the largest city in Maine. Oh. So it took about six months to get the chapter chartered. And you you went to work and then on that. I certainly did. Uh, that had to be, wow. wow. We we have a call from Barbara, uh, calling from Turner, Maine. Um, Barbara, are you there? Yes, I am. Uh, question or or comment uh, for Richard? Yes, I I first want to say I was deeply saddened to hear of your your story there. Um, I have a sister who had a set of identical twin boys. And they went into the military and fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. And not long after they returned home, they were both suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. And the one twin, Jonathan, he had gone to the VA hospital, and uh, they had said they had never seen such a severe case of it. They were going to transport him to um, Pennsylvania for extensive counseling. And the next day, they, I mean, they released him from the hospital that day, which happened to be Veterans Day. And later that evening, my sister, who was living in California, um, kind of a perfect storm, if you will, her children had moved to Boston, and they were all living in Boston, and her son had just moved into an apartment with a friend, and uh, she had no idea where he was living he called her and let her know that he was going to end her li his life that he didn't deserve to live and she she tried to talk him out of it and and then finally there was no more communication and she contacted her son and daughter and they saw the phone ringing and for whatever reason chose not to answer the phone that evening and so all night long she prayed and long story short the next morning um, she finally got a hold of him. They went to his apartment and found out that he had hung himself from the arm Ooh, of John so chair. Oh. It's been twelve. It's been twelve years now, um, or ten years now, since that has happened. And she has kept this very private with herself. And whenever Veterans Day comes around or Memorial Day, whenever mm. they're celebrating the soldiers and whatnot, you can see her kind of a darkness come over her and uh, just she, she withdraws and becomes very um, raw emotionally. She has never once, she's buried in a military cemetery in Cape Cod, and she has since moved out after his death. She moved out to um, Boston to be closer to her other two children. And she has never once visited his grave. And I'm just wondering, I've often wondered if there would be some kind of closure for her if she were to bring herself to that point where she could at least uh, bring, you know, visit his grave. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Richard, what do you think? Well, um, I'm very sorry to hear that, first of all. Mm -hmm. The toughest part about being a bereaved parent is... Mm -hmm the guilt. Uh, mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how we lose a child. Mm -hmm. Every one of us experienced the guilt. You know, the woulda, shoulda, couldas. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter how we lose them. And it sounds like she's obviously experiencing the guilt and she's mm -hmm. unable to accept the fact that um, you know, he chose to do this. Mm -hmm. And it was his choice. And we're powerless over other people's choices. Even our grown adult children. And um, you know, if she's 
able to pick up the phone and actually call someone that who understands what she's going through, I think she'll have a little bit of a break breakthrough. Mm -hmm. um, it is. It's a very isolating feeling, like I said earlier. Um, mm -hmm. No one, no one wants to be in our club. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. the that's mm -hmm. the first thing. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's. But she doesn't have to be alone. That's the key with that awful, awful, yeah. awful thing. Well, Barbara, we got to go to a break. That's Thank fine. you so much for calling mm -hmm. in, and uh, we'll be praying for your sister. All right. Thank God you very bless. much. Bye. Thanks Bye -bye. for the call. We'll be right back. Uh, we're here talking with uh, Richard Collins about his work with an organization called the Compassionate Friends and dealing with folks who are struggling with the matter of loss and grief. Uh, and I don't know if there'd likely be anybody out there who hasn't had to deal with that at some time in their life or may even right now be dealing with it. Mm. We've had a couple of people call in, and you're welcome. If you're either you yourself are struggling with this problem or you know somebody who is, give us a call. Give us a call. We're, the phone number here is 725-9224, and you can talk with Richard right. and uh, maybe find that you're not alone. Mm. You know, I think of this, uh, Richard, you know, a lot of times people say weird things, you know, like at a funeral, my cousin, mm -hmm. he's just lost his son to leukemia. And uh, the, the line, you know, come to, you know, greet. Uh, and this guy said to him, he said, I'm glad this is over. And mm -hmm. it's like he, he did everything. He didn't do anything, but he told me after, he said, I, I really felt like punching this guy. Certainly. Who wants, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's be, you know, and some I think people mean well, uh, but sometimes they say a lot of the wrong things. But just to be a listener, uh, you know, we don't have to have the answers. In fact, we really don't. You're right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We're not God. Right. Mm, it yeah, turns out. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things I've learned since being bereaved is that a lot of times, <clears throat> like Cody's grew up with, obviously friends of mine and their kids and shortly after I lost Cody I actually ran into him at a Home Depot and they were very uncomfortable being around me and the reality is is I'm living every parent's worst nightmare mm -hmm. so they feel uncomfortable because they oh, don't know what to say yeah. what if it happened to me kind of yeah thing. Hmm. it's oh. almost like we have the plague yeah. you know yeah. so what I tell everybody that knows someone that is a breed parent, grandparent, or sibling, is the best thing you can do is tell them you're sorry for their loss. Mm -hmm. And also, if you have a fond memory of their child, grandchild, or sibling, share it with them. Because just because our children are here doesn't mean that we still don't love them. That's right. And we miss them, and we want to brag about them. Yes. And I could tell you some wonderful stories about Cody even though he's not here, but oh. I still love him and brag about him. So just <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're not here, we still want to talk about him. So that's the best thing you can do. Wonderful. Yeah. Is oh, I, you know, know, I think about that. I think, yes, my wife died five years ago, and I still 
love to tell people what yes. a fantastic woman my wife was. Yes. And tells and and it helps me. Yes. To do that. Mm -hmm. Well, and and I suppose that if there are people who are especially recently bereaved, who are still in that dark place where they don't want to reach out, right. and they're just kind of turned in on themselves. If you know them, you may some a friend may be able to help them out by making a contact with uh, the compassionate friends. Right, or even calling them. even calling them yourself. Mm. I mean, we can it all starts with a seed, right? We learn that from the Bible. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Amen. And it could fall on some good soil. If okay, and so if it's if if it's a friend of yours that's struggling and you give them a call and after you've said, I'm sorry about your loss, where do you go with that then? Would that be a time to say, tell me something about this, the person that you lost? Is that a good direction to go Well, with? if they're newly bereaved, their world's upside down anyway. Yeah. It's not a lot you can do or say. Mm -hmm. But the simple reasons that you're least reaching out mm -hmm. mean something. Yeah. But like I said earlier, it's the most isolating feeling in the world. And everybody grieves differently. Mm -hmm. There's no right way or wrong way to grieve. We just got to go through it. That's it. Yeah. Well, I think of the funerals I've done over the years, and I mean I've had people say we want to we want to just laugh and you know and 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 celebrate their life, and and I've had others where the person falls across the casket and yeah. it clutches. You know, oh. and, and refuses to let go, and so people do grieve, and that's why the Bible said, you know, be joyful with those who are mm. joyful, and 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 you know, and grieve with those who grieve, and and people do. You're right. I mean, from both sides, uh, all over the place, and and the thing about grief, I find, is you may be laughing one minute, and then remembering you're at a funeral. And then all of a sudden you just break out and begin to cry, and and it it, it doesn't make any sense, um, and and just dealing with that, and I'm sure you find that even in your meetings. Definitely, yes, mm -hmm. yeah. Does it ever? Do you ever get into? What occurs to me is the fact that we know from God that death isn't the end of the line. Amen. It's not the end of the story, and but most people. I I live in a in a retirement community where everybody's getting old, <laughs> and everybody is is kind of facing the possibility of the end of their life. And uh, one of the things I find myself often referring to say, well, "Wait a minute, who told you death is the end of the line?" Mm. That, that's that's. <laughs> No, no. Uh, I, I, the, I've, but I know when my wife died. I like, like. Uh, well, I had the the added agony of I was the one who the doctors and the hospital people came to to say we need your permission to pull the plug and let her go. Hmm. And I was horrified. I, 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 they wanted me to make a decision to pull the plug and hmm. let my wife die. And I, that, 
wow, I could have used some help at that point. Mm. That was an awful thing. I and even when I when I decided, I I understood and I prayed about it, and I felt that the right thing was mm. put it in God's hands. It's not the machine that's keeping her alive. That's right. And so I said, okay, pull the plug. But boy, the minute I said that, I mean, did I make the wrong? Oh, oh my goodness. So now she's going to die. Mm. And I did that. I, I, and I still, to this day, I, I struggle with that. Mm. Well, I think guilt, you were talking earlier, mm. is a very common thing when we lose somebody is yes. guilt. Yeah. Why couldn't have I done more? Maybe I should have said I loved them. I I didn't kiss that person before they left. Uh, I you know you know yeah. I, I yeah. mean a just, million things come in your mind. I certainly do. Yeah, that's why it's important to stay in the moment. You know, and don't well and and I'm I'm hearing you saying that the worst thing is is stay alone. Isolation. Isolation. Yeah. Stay yeah. by yourself is that's, the worst thing you can do. Yeah, the enemy's all over you. Mm. Yeah. What do you mean by stay in the moment, Richard? The fact that all I have is today. Mm -hmm. you know, yesterday's not, it's gone, it's history. Tomorrow's not here yet. And it's and not guaranteed. That's right. Good point. You're exactly right. So the biggest thing about recovery is they teach us, keep it simple, one day at a time. And it's too easy to get wrapped up in all of life's problems and everything else that comes along, especially in this world we live in now. So I try to be the best person I can be today, seeking God's will. I think of the serenity prayer. Amen. It said, God, one day at a time, yeah. one moment, enjoying yeah. one moment at a time. That's right. Don't even work. Think about what the next moment is. Because we Maybe don't one know what God's going to do in mm -hmm. our life and yeah. who, or who he's going to put in our life. Well, he brought one of your sons he right through the did. door when you he thought it was all did. over. Yes. Mm. Well, when I think of com uh, your organization, um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, you know, when somebody shows up at the meeting, say you got five or six, they're all kind of counselors, aren't they? As well as well, we make it clear that we are not counselors. Oh, okay. We are a support group. A support group. Right. Friends. But the important thing to know is that every person involved in the Compassionate Friends is bereaved. Yes. It's much uh, different getting counseling from someone that's not that's bereaved. experienced. That's right. So everyone that's involved mm. is bereaved. Okay, so they're not professional counselors. We are not. Uh, we make right. that clear right from the get-go. We're but, there to support you. And our motto is, we are the compassionate friends. Um, well, well I'm, I, the reason I was, I was making that, that, I was sharing that thought was, so even if maybe you're handling things by going to one of these support groups, you can help if you've suffered such a thing. As, yes. you know, so it's not just out of need, but it's also to give. Exactly. It's and, all about giving. It's, it's all about giving. So, you know, maybe you're out there. what Christ gave for us. Okay, you know? that helps with your grief. Yes. Mm. Reaching yes. out to somebody else. Yes. Ah. Oh, oh, totally. 
begins to soften the pain a little. Yes. So someone might be out there saying, well, I've lost, but I'm, I'm handling it okay. Well, you know, there's others that may not be, and you, if you go to that group, you can be a, a plus and, and be a part of that community. You're exactly right. Of people grieving. Because you don't know who you might be helping out in that group just by showing up. And we make it clear, no one has to share anything. Mm -hmm. They can just show up to listen. But 100% of the time, they do end up sharing because they want to get it out. Yeah. They want to talk about yeah. it because they feel safe, because mm -hmm. they're in a place where everybody understands what they're going through compared to going to a grief counselor that doesn't know what it's like to lose a child. It's right. totally different. Like, like Jeremiah said, it was like a burning fire within mm. me, and I, and I had to let it out. Yes. <laughs> well, well, we've got two minutes. I'd like you to kind of, what would you like the listeners to, to know, uh, you know, where they can go uh, um, and go from there, Richard? Okay, yeah. Um, like I said, the, the biggest avenue of uh, information is our website. It's called The Compassionate Friends. And uh, you can learn all about the Compassionate Friends. Uh, it was the, the mm -hmm. we started 52 years ago in England, from a couple oh. that uh, lost their child, and they felt completely isolated and alone, and they couldn't get the support they wanted. So now we are worldwide, and there's over 500 chapters wow. just in the, in the United States alone. So there's there's help out there. There's support, and mm -hmm. uh, so the website will lead you to the chapters. You just click on click on the link chapter locator. Put in your hometown, and all the chapters close to you will pop right up, even cool. in the state. What is that website address? It's The Compassionate Friends. That's all you got to Google. .org? Or no, just the, the, Compassionate the Compassionate Friends. Friends. It'll pop right up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, because I'm hearing you say we're not there to fix it. We're there to be, be your friend. We're there to support you. We are the compassionate friends. We need not walk alone. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that is great. Yeah. Well, Richard, I want you to know it was such a pleasure to have you and your wife sitting over there in the corner. Uh, didn't <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're glad to have both of you uh, here and uh, myself and Jim Barnes. Uh, um, we just uh, are glad that we could uh, share this with uh, the listening audience. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want you all to know that uh, that you're loved. And if you are grieving, you don't need to do it alone. You can do it with others. And think of that person in England, lost a loved one. They turned their sorrow into a worldwide organization. That's right. We need to turn our brokenness into something positive. Yes. We'll be right here yes. next Saturday yep. at 3 o'clock. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Stay.